You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Happy hump day. Welcome to Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. It's your main man, Matt Miguez. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. The Genesis Invitational starts tomorrow. Tiger Woods makes his return to a golf course for the first time in seven months. We'll talk about that today. Speaking of Invitationals, the Clearwater Invitational taking place in Clearwater, Florida. No surprise there. Uh, we will we will preview that with our friend Justin McLeod. The Raging Cajuns have a tough sled of games ahead of them. We'll talk about that. And LSU basketball came about four seconds closer to getting another to getting their first victory of 2023. We'll recap that with our friend Zach Nagy and much more. Once again, if you want to get in on the game, hotlines 337-706-0111. Let's bring in my main man, the producer extraordinaire, Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Wednesday. It's February the 15th, which means hump day. Yeah. What's going on, buddy? How are you? It's going well. How about you? I'm doing stupendously absolutely fantastic birds are chirping the sun is out life is grand couple of bets hit you're just on life cla- is grand man <laughs> i'm on top of the world you just you're on cloud 11 right now I, not cloud nine and not cloud 10 i think it's fitting for me to break out this phrase oh i'm living the dream oh Mm-mm. Your poll question of the day. We're getting off topic here. The poll question of the day. Mardi Gras is in six days. What is your favorite flavor of king cake? Is it the traditional, just the plain cinnamon will do for you? Is it a cream cheese type of filling, whether it's chocolate, strawberry, however you want to do it? Is it a fruity filling? I've seen people like the lemon cheesecakes or king cakes. You know, is is that kind of more your groove? A lot of people like strawberry. Or, yeah, pecan praline, whatever. whatever. You know, like what's your favorite, your go-to king cake? So far, 38% say cream cheese, 35% say traditional, only 8% going fruit, shockingly. And then the other 18% going other... It's a very loud 8%. It is a very loud 8% because when you look at the con- the comments, like the first two that hit you, strawberry. I like fruit, especially strawberry. And then there's Ton. Chocolate. Definitely, Definitely chocolate. chocolate. All, All about, about the chocolate. chocolate. Did, Did I, I mention, mention chocolate? chocolate? Cream cheese is a distant second, and now I want king cake. <laughs> Specifically chocolate. Correct. Anything other than chocolate will not do. Ralph says pecan praline from Freeman's in New Iberia. Not a lot of positives in the berry these days, but trust me on this. A ginormous one is $30. Huge plain is 15 
but you can get great meats and a lazy boy recliner under the same roof. Oh, man. Bavarian cream is my favorite. You know, I, I've seen some pictures that have been posted on, on this poll question, and I, I just... We're going to get to the hotline, and then I'll come back and, and discuss... The many intricacies of why a muffalata king cake is a million types of wrong. Let's go to the game hotline. Antagonator, what's going on? What's going on, Mr. Miguez? Long time no talk, sir. How are you? Oh, if I was any better, I'd be dead. I mean, can't be better than that, right? Yeah. <laughs> what you got? Well, hey, I just got I to gotta clear a couple things up real quick. Okay. The only king cake is the traditional king cakes do not have filling in them. Those are fake. Those are just like the Karate Kid, but Ralph Macchio's Karate Kid, not Will Smith's kid, okay? Fair Second enough. of all, y'all need to lay off the LSU basketball team because, I mean, dang, dude, we're so tired from winning between football and girls' basketball and our number one in the country baseball team. I mean, we can't win everything. I mean, real winners never get tired of winning. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Easy, appreciate you, man. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hounding on the LSU basketball team. I am. I am a realist, especially when it comes to basketball. And we know it's. We know it's a rough patch. We know it's, that it's, it's. It's a bad hand that's been dealt to them this year. It's year one. You had to build a brand new roster from scratch. You're awaiting NCAA infractions which you assume are still coming for you but you're not really sure at this point they probably will hit you when you forget like oh damn it i forgot that was still a thing so there's there's a lot of things that go into the lsu basketball situation now you're gonna have your oh mcmahon can't coach in the sec fire him you don't know that yet the guys coached 25 games we're going to see at least till end of year three. And only 13 games in the SEC. 14 games in the SEC. You, you don't know that yet. So let's, let's settle down a little bit on that. Give him three years. At the end of year three, if he's not contending for a conference championship. And if he's got still some big flaws with teams. Then you, then move, there's, then you can make a change. Then there's a conversation. When year one hasn't even been finished yet. Don't come at me with that. Just just don't even do that. Okay, Mufflata King Cake. Now, I am from Louisiana. I've lived here my entire life. There are two things that I love. Well, there's many things that I love, but two things. I do love King Cake, and I do love a good Mufflata sandwich. Together? The flavor... Palette of a muffalata sandwich just does not go with the sweetness of king cake. Olives and cake, no. No. Ham and cheese and icing, once again, no. So... Very odd. Good for you for being creative and figuring out something new, and clearly it's working because people buy them. But I will never. Nope, 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 nope. No thanks. You know that you know that scene from The Office where Steve Carell's going, No! God, please, no! 
Thank you. No, God, please, no, 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 no. My thoughts on a muffalata king cake. Let's go to the hotline. T, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Matt? How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing great. Uh, it's real strange how Ralph and I agree on a lot of things. I've eaten a king cake from Freeman, so uh, they're very good. And the only thing I'm going to say about the LSU game last night, look, I know he doesn't have the players yet and all that, but um, I don't think he made some good choices in the last five, seven minutes of the game as to coaching-wise. Just my opinion now. Mm -hmm. So, um, but – Got to have the, uh, the Jimmys and the Joes, bro. Yeah, you know, that's, you know? That, that that seems to be the biggest thing with, with this team is that, sure, you know, could could you make some better coaching decisions? Certainly. But I think the biggest problem is that they just don't have the guys. Oh, definitely. Oh, I agree 100%. And look, I, I, I love the guy. He, he looks like a good coach. He seems he just made a uh, – I sat last night and watched the game with a coach that won two state uh, championships in high school as a coach. And he even said, man, I would have never done this or that or whatever. Right. And uh, so, anyway, just my opinion. No, absolutely, T. Appreciate the call, man. Hey, y'all have a good show, guys. Yeah, so, you know, you look at it, K.J. Williams hit a jump shot with 11 seconds left to take the 63-62 lead. Four seconds later, Georgia's right back taking the lead from you. And then you go miss your shot, turn the ball over. Justin Hill goes to the free throw line, makes one of two, and that's it's just enough for for them to, to get the win. So, I mean, look, are, are, we, are we obviously sitting here going... Oh, you know, LSU basketball is so good. No, they're 12 and 14, and they're 1 and 12 in conference. We're not going to say that they're good. What we are going to say, though, is give them time. Rome wasn't built in a day. Great programs weren't built in a day. Dale Brown didn't do it in a day. It's going to take some time. There were years where Will Wade sucked. Those LSU basketball teams were not good. And after a couple years, it got better and got better and got better. And sure, you you discovered that it was done illegally, but it got better. Give it time. Matt McMahon will do things the right way. He's going to do it well. And he's, he's going to turn it around. Some people call him the best point guard in the league. Matt McMahon coached him. John Morant. I mean, John Morant learned under Matt McMahon for three seasons at Murray State. So I, I think LSU's in good hands with this guy. So, But, James, I, I didn't ask you when we were talking about King Cakes a second ago. What's your go-to? Uh, it's from a certain place that doesn't actually make King Cakes. Okay. I think you can figure out where I'm going with this. Is it the same? Does this place have a similar name to maybe you? 
There's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so so you you like you like a glorified donut. Yes. Which don't get me wrong. Love so that. do I. Now listen, and I'm not saying this is a real king cake because it's it's not. It's a donut. But I'm a big donut guy. Right. So it's a big donut with Bavarian cream. And then you got the, the awesome king? amount of icing on Correct. top. Like, Correct. I love that. Look, I, more times than not, I'll go for the donut too. However, it is a nice change up when you go somewhere else and you go get more of a traditional type of king cake. Have you ever had... With at least some filling. Have you ever had a boudin king cake? Oh, bud. I can't say I have. Oh, I've heard it, I've heard the concept before, but I don't think I've actually had one. So I took a class at UL. The guy that taught the class mm-hmm. was the inventor of the boudin king cake. He, mm. he created it. So local celebrity. Correct. Big big deal. So instead of Mardi Gras icing, uh-huh. it's cane syrup mm. drizzled over the top. Oh, dude. Mm. Oh, dude. So good. It's not colorful. It's not you know Mardi Gras y, but the boudin with the with the dough and then the steam syrup on top. Oh my god! Oh man, so good. We got a great show lined up for you today. We'll talk Pelicans, LSU basketball, and college softball with much more sprinkled in between right here on the game. This is crunch time on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game's charity golf scramble benefiting Redbird Ministries, sponsored by courtesy of Bro Bridge. Hit the links at Farm Alley while supporting a great cause with all proceeds from the tournament going towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game, as well as courtesy Bro Bridge. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com, and together we can make a difference. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, the Daytona 500 is on Sunday. You know what they say, James? Rubbing is racing. Rubbing is racing. Drivers get mad nowadays when, you know, their cars bump and, and just, man, rubbing's racing. That's what you got to do. You do what you got to do to cross the checkered line first. Whatever it takes. Dale, Dale Sr. used to spin people out to get wins. I mean, you, you, you do what you got to do. Rubbin's racing. It's like, it's like a GTA race. You know, that, that would never happen now. People would get so butthurt nowadays mm-hmm. if, if, some, if you just spun a guy out in the final turn just to go get the win. Can't do that anymore. Dale Sr. made a career out of doing stuff like that. I read I read a book about, about Dale Sr. one time, and a reporter had asked him, you know, why do you feel the need to, to spin somebody out, out in order to get a win? He said, you win at all cost, whatever it takes. He said, there are no friends in this sport. He said, you cross the line first, and you do what you got to do to get it done. I mean, not not necessarily wrong. Looking at some top stories 
in the world of sports. Tiger Woods preparing to return to the course after seven months away from the game of golf. He played 16 holes today in the Genesis Invitational Pro-Am, which is the yearly tournament that he hosts at Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles. If you remember, his tragic car accident two years ago was actually, he was on his way to the Genesis Invitational. So nearly two years to the day, he returns to Riviera Country Club. He will take part in the tournament this weekend paired with Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas for Thursday and Friday. And, you know, listening to Tiger, he seems very confident in in the way that he is able to play. And he said, you know, I wouldn't come out here and compete if I didn't think I could win it. And I love that. And I love that mentality from Tiger. But here's the thing. And I think it's something where... When you look at the grand scheme, you got to take it one step at a time. Ever since Tiger's accident, he hasn't been able to complete a four-round tournament. So, if I'm Tiger, my goal for this weekend at the Genesis Invitational is to play four rounds. Play 72 holes of golf play them somewhat okay, and move on. That's step one. Finish a tournament. Then you can talk about competing for a win. But if you can't walk the 72 holes, you can't win a tournament. So I think the the goal number one for Tiger is to finish a tournament and then go from there. But I will say this. Tiger's injury and the way that he has struggled to get back into the game of golf might bring the PGA to the point maybe they start allowing golf carts maybe they let players ride instead of walking the whole thing or maybe it's a you rot you walk unless you have an exemption aka Tiger Woods, who nearly had his leg amputated. Maybe he can be on a cart. Uh, James, thoughts? I mean, yes, it would speed it up, like how football and basketball over time and baseball are trying to find ways to speed up the game. Yes, it would get the rounds of golf over with a lot quicker. But then it's like you're already looking, you're like, they really don't do as much physical stuff. It's like, so them just going in a golf cart and instead of just walking, it's like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind it just to be like, all right, let's 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 get this done instead of this being like a what feels like a 30-hour affair. This man said golfers don't do anything physical. I don't say they don't do anything physical. I said Oof. they don't do as much physical. Ooh, that's a spicy take. Who does more, basketball or golf? Basketball. Football? Or golf? Football. Lacrosse or golf? Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm not saying they don't do any. I'm just saying if you look at more some of the other popular sports. Think about the torque on your body to swing a golf club. And then you don't do it for, what, another 10 minutes on your, way, on your walk to? Oh, it don't take that long. It's an exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, dude, that, oh, no, oh, no. 
that 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 I mean I I I respect your take. I disagree with it, but I respect it. Like it's kind of, it's kind of like but, baseball but I, where it's like you do a no, one swing I mean, and then all right. Oh, you you gonna fire some people up now? You brought base. You gonna fire some people up now? Saying baseball is not physical. I didn't say it's not physical. Hey 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 hey! Simmer down. <laughs> I'm just saying. Simmer down. Simmer down. But no, ser- seriously though, when you when you look at it, when you have a guy like Tiger Woods who just the name sells tickets. Correct. If you mention that Tiger Woods is going to be somewhere, people are you're going to have a bunch of cameras there, and people are going to watch. Let's be real about something. At the rate Tiger Woods is going, he's going to be able to play six tournaments a year, and, that, and that's and that's lucky. Six tournaments a year, he's going to play the four majors, and then he's going to handpick two other ones. More than likely, the Genesis Invitational because it's his tournament, and then you know a, another one that may be interesting, maybe the players. But if you put in a rule to where, you know, guys with a, a certain exemption, a.k.a. Tiger Woods, can be on a cart, that six tournaments a year, maybe doubles. Maybe he plays 12 tournaments a year. And again, like James, like you just mentioned, just saying that Tiger Woods is going to be there, mm-hmm. people are going to show up. Oh yeah, Tiger could play like ass mm-hmm. and not people qualify. Are, people are still going to show up. Correct. So, I'm just I I, I know to, that today is a society where you know there's no such thing as special treatment, and I I get it. But you might want to figure out a way if you're the PGA Tour to have Tiger more involved. I'm just saying. If that means everybody rides on carts, it means everybody rides on carts. But Tiger Woods is going to bring you money. He is going to bring you revenue. And here's here's the thing. Say that move allows Tiger to play another, you know, five, seven years. You know who's going to be old enough to be on the PGA Tour in five to seven years? His son, Charlie. Can you imagine the storylines and the revenue if Tiger and Charlie were battling each other in a tournament? The checks write themselves. The checks write themselves. So again... If you're the PGA Tour, you need to do two things. Number one, you need to figure out a way to get Tiger Woods more involved. Let him play more. Or, or give him an avenue to play more. And then also, in the summer, when they're in South Florida and it's 95 degrees, let them wear shorts. You're going to give these guys heat stroke. I can't stand having to wear pants. Let them wear shorts. I, I get the whole, oh, you got to look professional. Let them wear shorts. It's not like they're wearing shorts with holes in them. They're going to be nice khaki shorts made by Adidas or Nike or who the hell ever. Ripped denim shorts. Like, let them wear shorts. That's ridiculous. Let's go to the game hotline. Elliot, what's up? 
Hey, man. I mean, I, you know, I guess golf is quite taxing, but I mean, people don't retire to like football communities, you know, or basketball communities. They retire to golf communities for a reason because when they're like 70 something, they can still swing their club. That's true. You know? That's true. You know, so I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, any kind of like physical sport is up there, but I mean, it's definitely not in like the top, you know, 15. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate you, man. That, that that is a good point. You you retire to play golf, so anybody can do it. Again, it's just the the. Does the, it take skill to play the, golf? The torque and motion on your oh, in terms of a skill level, like, like that's what I'm saying. In like, does it take skill to be good at golf? Yes, for sure. But the physical demand isn't as much as. A lot of other sports. I would go as far to say the mental and the skill side of golf. Mm-hmm. Probably the highest of any sport. Yeah, I mean it's up there with like baseball and. I mean, a lot to me. Every sport takes a lot of the, mental. The the distances and the wind and the every, everything that you have to figure out. Imagine like you trying to get it over the pond. This, you need it to skid. Th- this club hits it this far. You know, I need to lay it up here, and if it hits this part of the green, it'll roll back. And all, all the intricacies that go into playing competitive golf. Oh, man. Caddy, I'm, what are we thinking? Oh. We're thinking nine? Thinking a nine-iner on this one? <laughs> I mean, it depends on how far away I am. What are we thinking? Depends on how far away I am. Exactly. Uh, it's it's wild. The, the things that you have to sit there and try to figure out as a golfer, absolutely nuts. But we'll take a time out here. Will Guillory joins us next. We'll talk New Orleans Pelicans. They get ready to host, or not host, play LeBum and the Lakers next here on Crunch Time. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 435, almost 436 here on your Wednesday edition of Crunch Time. Looking at the NBA standings, the Pelicans sitting at seventh. They are half a game out of sixth place where the Dallas Mavericks sit. I'm just saying, if the Pels could beat the Lakers tonight and then the Nuggets beat the Mavs, the Pelicans going to the All-Star break with a top six seed. Not a not a terrible place to be if you're if you're Willie Green and company. Joining us on the game hotline to discuss the final the previous stretch of games for the Pelicans and preview tonight's game between the Pelicans and the Lakers is Will Guillory. He covers the Pelicans for the Athletic. Will, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you for having me on. So, you know, looking at, at the last stretch for the Pels, they've won four of their last five, dropping that game to Cleveland the other night, 118-107. to But really focusing in on Monday night, going on the road to Oklahoma City, getting tested, nearly tried to give it away there at the end, and were able to hang on 103-100. to Storyline in that game was 34 points from Brandon Ingram. Uh, what, what can you say about B.I.'s performance ever since he came back from injury? Oh, I mean, he's been, you know, he got off to a slow start. Uh, I mean, you could tell his rhythm wasn't quite there. I think he would tell you that he was fine. He was just missing shots. 
But I think just just looking at him on the court, the way he was moving, he didn't feel like he was completely comfortable uh, with his toe and just the way he was able to move around and just the, the way he felt. Uh, but I think, you know, over these last four or five games, he's been incredible. Uh, I think it's some of the best basketball I've ever seen him play. And I think it was vintage B.I. at the end of that OKC game just making tough shots. I mean, Lou Dort was basically inside of B.I.'s jersey, and he was still knocking down those mid-range jumpers. And, you know, that's the, the, the importance of having your superstars, right, is being able to go on the road and win tough games with your best player, uh, you know, making big-time shots. And that's what B.I. did. And that's the game the Pels needed in more ways than one, right? That was a game against, a, a, like you mentioned, another team they're competing with for a potential play-in or playoff spot. And, you know, the Pels have really struggled on the road this year. And that was a, a really nice win for them to get on the road against a good team. So I think that was a, a big confidence builder for them. You know, the the big storyline when you look at the New Orleans Pelicans this season has been the absence of of Zion Williamson once again. He He played 29 games before getting a hamstring injury and he was scheduled to come back either right before or right after the all-star break. And now you're hearing some people say that he might not be back till late March. You know, what, what's, what's the latest that you've heard on Zion? Where does he stand on his injury timeline? Yeah, it's just really unfortunate because, you know, we continue to push this timeline back of how long it's going to be before we actually get to see Zion, Brandon Ingram and, and CC McCollum play basketball together. It seems like forever since the last time we saw those three guys suit up in the same game. And, you know, it's only been, what, 10 games total with those three together. Uh, It's just really unfortunate. I think it's just one of those things where, you know, hamstrings are are very hard to predict. You never know that you'll feel good on it one day and then you make a wrong move and boom, you're out for another, you know, extended stretch. And I think it's probably going to be a while before we see his eye on again. Uh, I think the initial injury was a pretty serious one and they understood that and they wanted to, Give him as much time as possible to get back, but now re-aggravating it, uh, I think they're going to have to go in with an even more cautious approach uh, before they really give him a chance to really test it again. So yeah, it's going to be much uh, longer than after the, the All Star break. Uh, I think it'll be in the March, and I think you know again, it's just really unfortunate because man, when this team is all together, that they got so many weapons and they can be really dangerous, but. Uh, they just had really bad luck with the injuries this year, whether it be Zion with his hamstring or, you know, Brandon Ingram with the toe. And I think, you know, going in around December, I think the storyline of the season was going to be, man, look at how much talent this team has. You know, do they have the potential to be a real contender in the West? And unfortunately, going into the All-Star break, it looks like it's going to be, man, we just never got to see what this team looked like again. And now we're going into another offseason with kind of a mystery of, you know, how good is this team and can they – finally get everybody on the court together. You know, there's been rumblings talking about Zion's career thus far and how injury-ridden it's kind of been, you know, played less than 50% of the games that he's been signed to the franchise. Do you agree with with some people that that say the Pelicans may be better off trading him? Absolutely not. I think you win in this league with superstars, and I think there's no doubt Zion's a superstar now. He's got to stay healthy. There's no doubt about it, but I mean – you can look up and down a league where these teams are giving away. Uh, ask the Brooklyn Nets, you know, how, how life is going to be now without their superstars. As much as they kind of hated life with Kyrie Irving, they also understand that if McCall Bridges is your best player, you, you, you got a real hard ceiling on where you can go, right? And I think the Pelicans are a, a franchise that knows that as well as anybody that, you know, they're, they're not exactly attracting big time free agents in here. They're, they're probably too good to be back up in a position where you're picking top three in the draft again. 
Uh, so you got when you got superstar talent in the building, you try to make it work. Uh, it's just you know it's just crap luck with Zion and the injuries. But I think you know over and over again you see in this league that trading a dollar for a cool four quarters it just doesn't match. You need star players to win in this league. Uh, you're not going to go anywhere without those guys. Like I said, Brandon Ingram's of the world who can go on the road and win those big games for you. And uh, as great as Bi is. I think the way that this team makes the, that big leap, that the way they can really consider themselves a championship contender, is with Zion Williamson becoming the superstar talent that that we've seen him, the potential in him. Chatting with Will Guillory, he covers the Pelicans for the Athletic. Let's look at tonight's game against the Lakers, a series that is split one to one so far in the regular season. Looking at t- tonight's game, though, LeBron trending towards not playing tonight. Uh, we're you know looking at the matchup with LeBron being away for the Lakers now that D'Angelo Russell's back, Anthony Davis playing for the Lakers again as well. You know how does that favor the Pelicans? Yeah, I think it's going to be a real big game for both teams, and I think that's something we're probably going to be saying every single day for the rest of the season in the Western Conference when there's two Western Conference teams playing. Because uh, you mentioned it, you know, to start the segment that any one of these games you lose, you lose two or three in a row, and all of a sudden. You're staring at your, on the outside looking into the playing tournament. That's just how tight it's going to be, basically, from 3 to 11, right? And the Lakers, unfortunately, are right on top, outside that mix. So they need every win they can get. And, you know, anytime the Pels and the Lakers match up, it's going to be high emotions, especially when Anthony Davis is suiting up. Uh, we know he really wants to beat the Pels. We know the Pels really want to beat him. Uh, so I think it's going to be another fun matchup, and it's a big game for the Pelicans. Uh, just, to, just to build a little bit of positive momentum going into the All-Star break. If you could beat OKC on the road, the Lakers on the road, uh, I think you can feel really good despite that 10-game losing streak, despite the Zion Williamson news. It, it can feel like that you're heading in the, in the right direction. And for the Lakers, uh, they just need every win they can get just to get back into the mix because they're you know a little bit further out than they they hope to be at this point with so many teams competing for playing spots so they need all the wins they can get especially over teams that are above them so i i think there's going to be a really intense game here in la tonight and i can't wait to get in crypto.com arena to watch it you know getting into tonight's game a little bit further if the pelicans get a win tonight that'll be five of their last six as they head into the all-star break what kind of momentum can that create for the Pels for the back half of the season after the All-Star break, knowing that they finished the first half on such a strong stretch? I think it would be really important. And I think, you know, with the Zion news coming out, uh, pretty much everyone in that locker room knows that they're going to have to basically, you know, repeat what they did last year, you know, right after the All-Star break, after acquiring C.J. McCollum, where they got hot. D.I. was playing at a high level. C.J. came in and really gave them an extra boost, and they really, uh, you know, built the identity behind those two guys, and I think they need to do it again, you know, for this last stretch of the season with Zion being out, looking at those two guys to play basically at an all-star level with B.I. probably closer to a superstar level to get this team over the hump because, you know, as good as they were last year and as fun as they were to watch, I mean, they finished the season 10 games under 500, and they were the nine right uh, i think you know with this season uh, you know you, you got to be basically 500 to get up in that nine you know conversation so these teams are much better there's going to be a much more competitive race and if you're able to stack up a few wins there give yourself some breathing room potentially go into the all-star break as the number six seed i think 
you can feel good about where you're at and not feel like, you know, your back's against the wall immediately coming out of all-star break. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're feeling pretty good about where they are, and, and it starts with Brandon Ingram. If he continues to play the way he has uh, these past four or five games, uh, this team is going to be right there and be able to play with anybody. Will Guillory of The Athletic joining us here on Crunch Time. Will, before you run three keys to victory for the Pels tonight. Uh, so I just mentioned it. You got to start with Brandon Ingram. He's got to play at a high level. We know he's been up and down throughout his career playing against his former team. Uh, he's going to look forward to this matchup. That's going to be big. I think, you know, handling Anthony Davis, uh, you know, there's always a unique matchup with him, especially now with the breaking news that Larry Nance has been downgraded to questionable. So potentially no Larry Nance in this game. That's going to make it even tougher to deal with AD. And I think uh, the big time, the big thing with these two teams the last time they played is transition. If the Pelicans can keep the Lakers from getting out in transition, getting in the, getting those easy buckets, force them to execute in half court, I think they'll have a really good chance. If LA can get out, get some easy baskets, uh, I think it's going to be th- tougher for the Pelicans to keep up with them with that Laker crowd behind them. We'll appreciate your time. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate you, man. And there he goes. Will Guillory covers the Pelicans for the Athletic. Pelicans and Lakers inside Crypto.com Arena. Tip-off set. For 9 o'clock tonight. Gotta love West Coast games. Take a timeout, wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app. Open the app and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you'll be on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's just that simple, and it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's keep those votes going for the foodie poll question of the day. What's your favorite king cake flavor? We had talked about it a little earlier. Mine, I like to do Bavarian cream. Matt, what's yours exactly? Chocolate. You love. You're a big chocolate guy. That's right, because you you love everything chocolate. Yes. You're you're just a big chocolate. You you're not big on fruits. Uh, a little. Uh, I remember when we were doing the candy draft. You kept you kept were like, James keeps picking all the fruity candy, and you just went straight chocolate the first three or four picks. I mean, because chocolate is my preferred, but I, I wouldn't say I hate fruit or dislike fruit i love you have a secret you have a secret hatred for Choc- twizzlers you know what i ate last night i had chocolate covered strawberries last night so there there's fruit for you still had chocolate i mean i understand <laughs> but- still had chocolate i want to i kind of want to talk about the celtics bucks game for a little bit <laughs> but here's the thing though celtics didn't have jason tatum jalen brown marcus smart you know what or, that sounds like? Or Rob Williams. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like a bunch of excuses. Well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily an excuse because I'm looking at it. You went to OT your boy, your against, boy. against the Bucks your boy. without without your top four players. Your boy D. White had 27. Dude, Derek White's been a monster. Malcolm Brogdon had 26. Those those two have been like a dynamic duo. Mike Muscala had 18. Mm-hmm. 
Fre- Mikey Moo. <laughs> He's fresh to the team, and he's already making an impact. I love it. Blake even got to 15 himself. It was, well, Blake started. I know. What? What yeah. is this? That's, you know, that's how you know it's bad, is whenever we, you have to bring out Blake Griffin as a starter. We jumped in the TARDIS and went back to 2012. It's, it's a weird time right now. <laughs> but yeah, so many, so many starters are not in, and yet they still got it to overtime and... Just a fraction of a loss and then they, to and the then, Bucks, And then they ran into the brick wall that is Drew Holiday, 8 of 12 from, from beyond the arc. Excuse me? What's going on? That makes no sense. When Excuse does, me? When does Drew when was that in his Pelicans days? Uh, because he played for the Pelicans. I don't, I don't know that you've realized this. When players play for the Pelicans or the Saints, they're trash other than a select few that have stood out. And then the second they go anywhere else, they're infinitely more healthy. DAWGs, dogs, and infinitely more healthy. Absolutely right. Drew Holiday was missing 20, 25 games a year when he was with the Pels. Now, knocking down 40 and beating the Seas. You want to know what it is? It's the Saints slash Pelicans medical staff. I was going to say, fire them all again. You did it in 2018 with Sean Payton. Do it all again. Fire him. I was going to say coincidence. I uh, think not. Not. I do want to. I do want to say. I don't know if you had seen it, but that Sam Hauser three to tie the game to force overtime. That was ridiculous. I did not see it. No. Oh, but I, re- I read about it. He he just kind of chucked one up. It was an absolute Dirk Nowitzki, just rainbow shot, and it just went. Straight in. Oh, we mi- we missed Dirk Nowitzki. Oh man, the big German. Oh, he was nasty. Oh, dude, freaky. He was a freaky guy. You know, I'd be interested to see, and I know it kind of Dirk came out as Luca came in, but I would loved, I would have loved to see Luca and Dirk. Yeah, it was a small transition period on the same team. Dirk, you could already tell, is like, all right, you're done. Right, right. but. Like let's you got you got this Luca guy right. You're you'll you'll be fine. You're in good hands. I'm out. I'm going back to Germany. <laughs> Guten Tag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James Mesh, don't you ever change? But no. So you know you you look at it, and as a Celtics fan, you talked about missing your top four guys. You lose by six in OT without your top four guys to the Bucks to the Bucks. You gotta feel pretty good about yourself. That's what I'm saying. I wasn't making an excuse for the Celtics. Like, man, you didn't have the four. No, I'm saying this was really impressive. The fact that you didn't have Smart, Tatum, Brown, or Williams. But you know what's gonna happen? And Al. You know what's gonna and happen? Al. I didn't see Al in there because you're talking about how how great it was to see all those reserves step up. Oh no, I'm sorry. Rob did play. It was Al that was. What's gonna play. What's gonna happen is the next time you guys play the Bucks and you have Jason Tatum and you have Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, the Bucks are gonna beat y'all by like thirty gonna happen it's the law of nba karma no <laughs> they got they got one more matchup before the playoffs if i'm not mistaken i think you're right on that i believe in and that one's in boston it's in bean time bean time in the garden yeah oh man in the garden so real real quick calvin ridley has applied for reinstatement reinstatement I love the proactiveness from him. Do Be like, you, nah, let me let me get back in the league. Come on. Do you think Goodell gives it to him? I think it might take a few days. Hmm. 
Let me let me let me think about it. Wouldn't it be funny if Goodell says no and makes him like apply again? Oh, nah, denied for Second. a parlay. But every every time Josh Gordon got busted for pot, right? Hey, and fine, look, look. Obviously, betting on sports, they're they're against it. Correct. Players betting on sports. It's not like he was betting on his own game. Like, it'd be one thing if he was betting on his own game, but it was other games in the league, was it not? He wasn't betting on his actual performance. That's a problem. But if he was betting on other games throughout the league, I don't think that that's a big deal. But, you know, rules are rules, and and you can't break them, and it, it is what it is, but... You know, like you just said, if you're going to let Josh Gordon back in the league five times and that dude never learned his lesson. It's, the sources say his parlays included the Falcons to win. Okay, but that's that's okay. But that was his team. <sighs> yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a saying. gray area. That's a gray area. We'll we'll dive into it a little deeper a little later on the show because I, I do have a, a take on that because... He bet on the money line, not on his own performance. I don't know, whatever. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to kick it off talking LSU basketball with our guy Zach Nagy of LSU Country right here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline, 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS. Fiber in hour number one, we talked favorite flavor of king cake. We talked about Tiger Woods returning to the golf course for the first time in seven months. And we previewed the Pelicans versus Lakers tonight in Los Angeles. Our number two, we're going to talk college softball. Louisiana traveling to Clearwater, Florida to take part in the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational. Justin McLeod will preview that matchup with us as well as LSU's weekend of games. And we will also talk some NASCAR. Daytona 500 is Sunday, and we have some audio from the first Daytona 500 press conference of the week. But right now, LSU men's basketball falling just short 65-63 to last night. Zach Nagy of LSU Country for Sports Illustrated, he joins us on the game hotline. We'll recap that matchup and much more. Zach, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Of course, guys. Doing great on this end. How about you guys? Doing well, doing well. So, you know, looking at this LSU game last night, it was a game where LSU had a two-point lead at the halftime break. And then came out in the second half, still you know keeping themselves in the matchup, finding ways to either take the lead or, or keep it close. And then right there at the end, things just kind of seemed to implode. Yeah, that's that's exactly the case. And you know, 19 turnovers just isn't going to cut in the SEC, no matter the opponent. Even if it's a Georgia squad that's not really, you know, at their best this season. But 19 turnovers is going to do that to you. But you know, you got to look at the positives of this team. It's hard to, but. You know they played. They played better than they have all. 
you know, all SEC play yesterday. So, yeah, it, it's been it's been a brutal stretch for this team. They came out flat in those final five minutes out of a timeout, and it just it just wasn't the end result that they were hoping to get. Um, but you got to look at the positives, like I was saying. Offensively, it was one of their better performances, and you're getting really good production from your freshmen. Whether it's you know Jalen Reed, you're seeing Ty- Tyrell Ward inserted into the starting lineup. Sean Phillips is giving you pretty solid minutes as well. So, you know, you're starting to get some continuity there. You're letting your youngsters get some play. It's it's a work in progress, but obviously yesterday didn't go as planned. You know, you, you look at the numbers, and you talked about Sean Phillips getting seven boards in his 11 minutes of work. But one thing I noticed is that he didn't put up a single shot. How do you how do you get your freshman who is good on the glass to, to maybe get some offense going as well? It's, you, you have to feed the post, and it's something that they've struggled with all season. It's getting inside consistently and finding that consistent, you know, offensive attack. They shoot the three ball just at a tremendous rate. And for a team that's shooting it at a tremendous rate, they're not shooting it particularly well. So forcing the ball inside, having defenses collapse on K.J. Williams, which will free open Sean Phillips, is something that this offense needs to continue to work on as the season winds down. And you need to get him some touches, like you're saying. You need to get him some shots. You need to let him get more comfortable in the offense and work from there. Force the ball inside, work in the pick and roll. Sean Phillips is extremely, extremely athletic for his size. He has very good footwork that's continued to improve. So, you know, you need to continue to get the pick and roll going, hit him on the roll, and work from there. And, you know, as you look ahead for this team, they play South Carolina on on Saturday, who is equally as as bad as they are, 2-11 and in SEC play. Is this a game where LSU would finally have the opportunity at home to get a win for the first time in 2023? Absolutely. It's a winnable game, as was yesterday. You had the chance to get on a two-game win streak and start to close out the year on a high note. Obviously, they crumbled in crunch time yesterday, which has kind of been you know, the story of the season. Like I said, and everybody said a million times, the turnover battle has been something that they lose on a consistent basis. And that's ultimately what cost them the game yesterday. On that final possession, you went ahead and you turned the ball over on an inbound play. And it's just it's been the telling tale all season long. Fast forward, looking at the South Carolina game, it's a winnable game. It's one that they have to get as a confidence booster as they continue to wind down the season. South Carolina... The record doesn't necessarily show what kind of team they are. They're gritty, they're a fiery team, and they have some true weapons offensively. But like you're saying, it's a winnable game. It's one that they have to come away with, and we'll see how it goes at home. Pack the PMAC. You know, looking to the other side and on the women's side of things, 23 and 1 so far this year. Obviously, that one loss coming at the hands of the top seed in the, in the women's college basketball, South Carolina. In a game where Kim Mulkey even admitted that they just kind of they're they're kind of outmatched and they use the game as an opportunity to figure out where they are as as a program. What were your thoughts on uh, on that game? So after the game, Kim Mulkey met with the media and she said it's South Carolina and then everybody else. They're on a completely different level than the rest of the country, and it showed against you know the number three ranked LSU. They have the depth, they have the versatility. They have the continuity. They have the coaching. They have everything that you're looking for in a national champion. Obviously, they did it last year. They're looking to go back-to-back, and it's showing, again, that they, they have all the, all the possibilities of doing it once again. So that team is it's different. That, 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 that's, a, that's a powerhouse. Comparing them to LSU, LSU still, they're a work in progress. You know, It's a very fresh roster. 
a lot of new additions via the high school ranks, transfer portal. It's still a fresh team. And I don't even know if Kim Mulkey, if you would have asked her at the beginning of the season, if she would have expected the success that they're having right now, like you were saying, 23-1. and one. I'm not quite sure she would have even thought that. But here they are, top five team in the country doing their thing. And, you know, as for South Carolina, that, that team is a very – it's a monster. That's a monster. I don't think that quite told the story of, you know, how LSU is because offensively they just came out flat to start the game. I believe it was like 18-2. to two throughout the first five minutes, but this team is starting to, they're starting to click despite that loss. And it, it's going to be a very interesting time come the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament, just to see how much continuity and how well they gel come, come March. They're hosting a pretty solid Ole Miss team tomorrow night in the PMAC 20 and five on the season, nine and three in SEC play winners of four of their last five. Their one loss coming on the road to Tennessee, which you know, you saw on the PMAC was a great challenge for LSU just a couple of weeks ago. You know, obviously LSU is favored in this game, but what do you like about this matchup? And does LSU get back on the winning track in this game? Absolutely, I believe they do. And I think it gives you a true test. You know, LSU's record is, I wouldn't say it's deceiving, but there's been a lot of challenges along the way. Going to that South Carolina matchup, obviously 23-0, and it looks great on paper, but a lot of those, let's say four, the four games leading up to South Carolina was a challenge. A lot of them came down to the wire. A lot of them were a little bit closer than Kim Mulkey and the program would have liked. And, you know, again, fast forward to this Ole Miss game, and you're going to be challenged once again. And I think that's what you need. I think you need to continue, you know, battling it out, going through these tough SEC games so that come March you're prepared because it's something that Kim Mulkey mentions all the time. It's the weak non-conference schedule that they played. And that's one of the reasons why they weren't bumped up to being ranked number two last week in the poll. It's because some people in, in that realm don't necessarily believe that that conference schedule was of what it should have been, like somebody like South Carolina was playing. So a game like Ole Miss, it'll give you a challenge. It'll prepare you for March. It'll prepare you for the SEC tournament. And I think it's everything that they need. I do believe that they'll come away with the victory. But, again, it's a challenge that they'll need once again. LSU baseball kicking off Friday, unanimous top seed in the country going into this 2023 season. They host Western Michigan for, for a three-game set. What are your thoughts on this matchup with the Broncos? And really, what's the expectation for for this LSU team for opening weekend? It's it's Omaha or bust. It's, it's championship or bust. Obviously, they lost just a, a pitcher with tremendous upside in Grant Taylor for the season. He tore his UCL. He's going to be getting you know some Tommy John surgery and working from there. But you have tremendous depth at your pitch at, at pitcher, so it's not the biggest loss in the world, but it certainly puts a damper in your plans. As for the matchup this weekend, you know, it, it's it's showtime. It, it's showtime for this team. It, it's time to prove that they're not just you know a preseason ranking. They're not just a super team. They have to put it. They have to show it. They have to they have to come to life. You, you have so many dominant forces on the field at one time. They'll they'll overweigh the Broncos, of course, and go from there. But it's time to you know get on the field, show that they're actually as good as everybody's talking about, and move from there. And from fall ball to you know preseason practices, we we've seen some pretty impressive stuff from this team. It's gonna be it's gonna be a true a true treat for all baseball fans. I can tell you that. Zach Nagy of LSU Country joining us here on the game hotline. Zach, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy what we call crossover season with about five different sports happening at one time. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Let's do it again. Y'all have a good one. And there he goes, Zach Nagy of LSU Country.
you know, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, softball, everything in between. It's all happening at once, and it is just a wild time of the year in college athletics. So earlier on in the program, we, we talked about some of the top stories in sports, and we talked about Tiger. We talked about the Genesis Invitational coming up this weekend in California. James, Michael Jordan is in the media today for actually a, a pretty good thing. So today is Michael Jordan's 60th birthday. Correct. In honor of his 60th birthday, he wrote a check for $10 million to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. That was an awesome gesture by him. $10 million. Do you know what that does for a foundation like Make-A-Wish? There's a lot. That's huge. Love that. Guy took his 60th birthday and said, oh, let me give something. And that's why Michael Jordan is one of my favorite athletes of all time. Had to save yourself. I didn't I didn't go there. I, I fired some people up last week. I'm not going to go there. He's one of my favorite athletes of all time. Looking at, you know, some other storylines, Chris Beard's case in the state of Texas with the domestic abuse allegations has been dropped by the district attorney. Uh, according to the district attorney, after review of the evidence, his office determined that the charge could not be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. So the charges have been dropped. Uh, Chris Beard still has no job. Um, and, and it's unknown how long he will be out of, of basketball before he gets another job because it's one of those things, you know, you, you watch you watch Rick Pitino, a guy who had, had built a dynasty at Louisville. He gets fired for his hand in the Adidas scandal in the in the early 2010s, and then he spent three or four years out of basketball before he ended up getting hired at Elon or Iona. Turned Iona around, and now he's back in the in the big D1 ranks. But it's going to take a while for for a guy a, a guy that had a domestic abuse allegation that forced him to be fired from his job to get back in the swing of things. Um, I mean, it just that's the way you, you got to let the bad publicity kind of die down a little bit before somebody's willing to hire you. I mean, look at Kendall Bryles. People didn't want to hire Kendall for years because of what his dad did. Just because he had the last name Bryles, people didn't want to hire him. So it's just it's one of those things where he's going to have to wait a year or two probably before he's even mentioned in some coaching searches for, for college basketball. We'll go ahead and take a timeout here. When we return, we'll talk NASCAR, the Daytona 500, getting underway this week at the birthplace of speed in Daytona Beach, Florida. We'll do that next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the Daytona 500, the NASCAR season kicks off this Sunday with the 500. Can Bubba Wallace break through and take the checkered flag 
or will Kevin Harvick take the checkered flag for the second time at the Great American Race? Tune in Sunday to find out with pre-race coverage beginning at 12.30, and you can listen to all the exciting action right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 520 here on your Wednesday edition of Crunch Time here on The Game. We talk a lot about NASCAR on this show because if you ain't first, James Bash, finish it. You're last. Ricky Thank Bobby, you. shake and bake. Thank you, sir. Uh, you, you've seen at least one movie. Good, good for you. There's a cougar in the car! Oh, that was very loud and... Aggressive. But anyways, so the Daytona 500 this Sunday at Daytona International Speedway, the birthplace of racing, the birthplace of speed, whatever you want to call it. Yesterday, five drivers met with the media, including Eric Jones, Kyle Larson, Michael McDowell, Kevin Harvick, and Bubba Wallace to talk about their upcoming battle in Daytona. Kyle Larson who won the title in 2021 but has never won a Daytona 500, talked about what winning the 500 would mean for his legacy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the biggest stock car race there is by far. So fortunate enough to accomplish a lot of cool things you know, in my stock car career, especially you know, in 2021, we checked off a lot. Yeah, the, the Daytona 500 would be, would be a special one. Um, I got close to winning in 2017, ran out of fuel lead in the last lap, and... You know, you just never know if you're going to have an opportunity again, and I haven't since then. So um, I would love to. I would love to have that trophy and look at it because it's, it's honestly been a race. It's a style of racetrack that I'm not very good at. So if I could win there, accomplishing something that you don't really think you can accomplish would be pretty special. Think about that. He was leading on the final lap but ran out of gas. You know what that feels like? You're leading the race the whole time in Mario Kart, and then someone hits you with a blue shell on the last on on the final corner. Mm-hmm. 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 That's how it feels. And he talked about the he talked about his 2021 season and how he accomplished a lot, double digit wins. He won ten races in route to winning the championship in 2021. Great season for Kyle Larson, looking to have some sort of resemblance in 2023. Eric Jones also talked about. His super speedway success throughout his career. But again, he's another guy that's never won the 500. But what's his confidence level, knowing that he is pretty successful at this style of track? You got to make it through. I mean, we had fast cars at all the speedways last year, and we weren't able to capitalize and win on that. So you got to have some things go your way. But, you know, last year in the 500, we were up front, had a slow stop, not kind of got blocked in, wasn't pit crew's fault. But got back in traffic and got wrecked in that wreck with whatever 12 to go, 16 to go and took us right out of it. So things can change quick for me. You know, I, I played both games, right. I used to be the guy who would kind of hang out and try to lay back and go at the end. And, you know, I'd say the last couple, three, four years now, I went and just raced at the speedways and whatever happens kind of happens. And hopefully we have fast car again, you know, if you can be up front and you're there with five to go, you know, you got a good shot as anybody. Michael McDowell, who won the Daytona 500 in 2020, talked about the confidence level 
that you receive after winning the 500? There's a tremendous amount of pressure, regardless of whether you've won or not won, because you're only as good as your last race, and you're only as good as your last Daytona 500 win, right? And so you're always pursuing that next. But for me personally, there is a confidence and a calmness that came as a reward of winning the 500. And it's not something that you can fabricate. It's not something that, or I could fabricate. It just kind of happened. The following year, you still feel the pressure. You still get the jitters. You know what's on the line. You know how big of a race it is. But there was a confidence and a calmness different than in years past. I'm sorry, Michael McDowell won the 2021 Daytona 500. But, you know, the point remains, it does add an elite level of confidence to you walking into a track that you know what it takes to win, you know the formula, and now you just have to out-adjust everybody else. But another guy who knows what it takes to win here is Bubba Wallace. He finished second at the 500 last year, and since then he said he worked on developing himself into being a better speedway racer. When it was trucks and Xfinity, I would just be ho-hum, boom, wrecked. And I hated it. I hated speedway racing. But then got into the cup card, did the July race, filling in, and had a blast. And it was like, damn, this is actually pretty fun. And so I don't know if it was your mindset changes towards it and all of a sudden you start running good. But, you know, hopped in for day 2518, finished second, finished really good at the other plate races too. So it just, I don't know, I think. I will agree it has come a long way, but now it just seems to just kind of click. But in the back of my mind, though, that's a realistic size. Like, any moment can take you out. Like, you could be done lap one. He said, damn, this is kind of fun. This guy. And then Kevin Harvick talked about, you know, the importance of the 500 to get your season started the right way. And, again, he's he's one of those guys that's won it before and knows what it takes. When you're around this sport for a long time, you understand the importance of having that Harley J. Earl trophy and having your name on it. And and when you look at the names that are on it, you understand uh, the significance of who's won the race. And, you know, if you've done your job and properly understand what NASCAR racing is all about, uh, Daytona has that huge significance of what we what we are all about and with the racing on the beach and uh, how it's migrated into you know the biggest single race in our sport uh, understanding the the day the significance and especially the daytona 500 is is important yeah to, to think that this race began by cars literally running in a straight line on the beach to to where they've gotten now but you know looking at this year's race James some early odds are out and I've, I've got to get your thoughts because you know we're, we're gonna have to pick a 500 winner it's gonna have to happen um so you've got two guys up at the top that are actually teammates and Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott right now they're both at plus 1,000 Denny Hamlin plus eleven hundred, Joey Logano, the defending champ, is at plus fourteen hundred, Ross Chastain plus sixteen hundred, and then you have Jimmy Johnson. Now Jimmy Johnson is a seven-time NASCAR champion, 
But when you look at Jimmy Johnson, he has not raced NASCAR in three years. But he has won the 500 twice in 2006 and 2013. His odds are plus 4,000. Throwing a dollar on that? Throw like 50 cents. Right. (laughs) Like Like, uh, something's got to come out of this. And then you you go way down the list and poor BJ McLeod at 75,000. I mean, if that guy finds a way to win it, then, I mean, we're we're all rich and famous, ain't we? Well, put a dollar on everybody. Right, right. From Harrison Burton at 7,500 down, just put a dollar on all of them and hope there's a massive wreck at the end and somebody just squeezes in. Because that happens sometimes. So at that point, would you would you feel comfortable putting Jimmy Johnson at least top three? A top three finish? Ooh, what are the odds on that? Plus 1,200. <laughs> oh, I would take that. Yeah, absolutely. I will never bet against Jimmy Johnson. I mean, that guy, he, he has won the NASCAR championship seven times. The only two other drivers in history to win it seven times... James, there are two names that you've probably heard of as well. Dale Earnhardt Sr. Yes. Richard Petty. Yes. Yeah, there's only been three. Only three drivers in the history of the sport have won seven championships. So I'm never I'm never betting against Jimmy. Now he's not running the full season. He's gonna pick and choose, you know, how he wants he's kind of pulling a Tiger Woods right now. Um, just kind of running what he wants to um, as he feels like he has the opportunity to. But seven championships, 83 wins, 222 career top five finishes. That guy, Jimmy Johnson. Plus 4,000, like I said, throwing a dollar on that and seeing what it gets me. Chase Elliott, on the other hand, I, 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 I like Chase Elliott, so... I could see myself throwing throwing five or ten down on Chase Elliott. But anyways, once again, Daytona 500 airing live on our station pre-race beginning at 12.30 on Sunday. We'll take a timeout here. Justin McLeod joins us from Orlando, Florida. He is at the Clearwater Invitational, and we will preview Louisiana's road to a great weekend in the Sunshine State right here on the game. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 35 here on your hump day edition of Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Jerry Glasgow and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in Clearwater, Florida for a, I have no other way to put it other than a very challenging tournament. In the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational, Justin McLeod of Extra Inning Softball joins us on the game hotline. Justin, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? 
I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm doing well. Seeing some good softball already. How's the uh, How's the weather in Orlando? Actually, very nice. Actually, very nice. Short sleeves can't beat it. So let, let's dive into the Cajuns road. They'll kick it off tomorrow at noon when they play Indiana. You know, you look at Indiana. There, it's a team that they beat last year off to a three and one start so far this year. What do you like about this matchup for Louisiana? I think it's a good start. I think it's it's a good start. You're not talking about a team like a UCLA, like the Cajuns will play later in the weekend. It kind of gives the chance to get off on the right foot. Uh, Indiana's not a pushover, so it's a win. You can be proud of it if you get it. It's a if you lose, it's it's a loss that doesn't crush you for the rest of the weekend. I think it's a really good starting spot for the Cajuns and what they want to do through the course of the weekend. And then you know you go to Friday and you you play Michigan, who has had success in recent years, has been a talented program, but now they're going through a coaching change. First year head coach, and and things are looking a little. I don't want to say uneasy, but there's some question marks there when you when you look at the Wolverines. Uh, you know, how do you like the Cajuns' chances in that one? I think that's another one that, and that one actually I think has a little different stakes, but it's similar to Indiana. Michigan is a team that's a little down. I mean, yeah, you're like you say, a coaching change for the first time in nearly four decades. You've got a lot of talent turnover there. They had some transfers out after last season, so you've got some young players still trying to find their niche, trying to be the stars of tomorrow today for Michigan, but I think it's one of those matchups for the Cajuns. Michigan is a team that's, that's long relied on their pitching and had a couple of offensive standouts to kind of lead their batting order. I think that plays well into the Cajuns' strengths. To me, the, the strength of the Cajuns is going to be their pitching in a tournament like this, their pitching depth especially. So I think it plays really well. I actually like that matchup. I think the Cajuns have a, actually a really solid shot at not just beating Michigan, but I think it'll be a good game. But I think, again, similar to what I said with Indiana, win or lose, I think that's a game that the Cajuns can really come out of on a positive either direction. But a win will mean a lot. Even if Michigan, if you say Michigan's down a peg, it's still a program that is historically so good and they're perennially so good. I mean, that, that'll mean a lot to the Cajuns. They pull that win off. And then, you know, you get to Saturday and Sunday, and that's when things really start to heat up. Oklahoma State and Arkansas on Saturday – and then you'll turn around and play UCLA and Florida State on Sunday. What's kind of the the mindset if you're the Cajuns? Say you say you win both of those games Thursday and Friday. You know, you, you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself going into some highly touted competition. You do, and the thing that interests me too is, is you've got the single game and the single game, and then you've got the doubleheader, doubleheader. So you really don't get a break on Saturday and Sunday for what are your four toughest games of the weekend in all likelihood. I mean, you know, it, I, I think I said it when I, I was on the last time. I think 3-3 three and three on this weekend for the Cajuns, and I know Cajun fans don't necessarily like a 500 record on the weekend, but I think 3-3 three and three is an absolute grand slam finish for the, for the Cajuns in this tournament. That's how stacked their slate is. So I think when you go into, you know, let's say you beat Indiana, you beat Michigan, you go into the weekend, if you can pull one win from an Oklahoma State, Arkansas, UCLA, or Florida State, those are four of the top ten teams in the country, even though a couple of them lost on opening weekend. That's still four of the top ten teams in the country. A win against one of them sets set, set your fortunes for a while for the course of the season and really sets you up well for you know postseason, regionals, etc. So I think if you're the Cajuns, I think your mindset has to be, yeah, obviously you want to win them all, you want to play to win them all, you want to give them your best shot. 
but certainly, I mean, one win out of those four games by itself is a difference maker for the next, you know, for the next eleven weeks. You know, we we met with Jerry Glasgow earlier this week, and he he said one of the big things about this weekend is he just wants his team to prove that they belong. Does three and three in a six game set prove that they they belong with some of the top teams in the country? I think it does. Uh, especially considering four, like I say, four of those six games are against such top shelf competition. I, I think the thing the Cajuns, I think, are struggling with over the last couple of years is, is that exact thing. Is you know people are oh well you know the Cajuns have always been good, but are they still you know thoughts like that on a national level? I think I, I think a three and three showing in Clearwater, whoever those three wins come against, however those three losses would come. I think a three and three showing absolutely does, and I think it also sets the Cajuns up well for the rest of their non-conference slate. And it's not like the rest of the slate is is any easier. Um, they still got some top teams that are not in Clearwater, and I, but I think a three and three showing in Clearwater, it honestly I think does put the Cajuns back into that conversation where they want to be on the national level. Chatting with Justin McLeod of Extra Inning Softball, you know we we look at it and the UCLA Florida State game. Maya Davis was a, a touted freshman coming into the season, had some strong showings opening night this past Friday, but she did suffer a hand injury, going to be out for the next couple of weeks. According to Coach Glasgow, how big of a blow is that for uh, the, this Cajun's batting order? It definitely makes a difference. Anytime you, you go into a tournament like Clearwater and you're not at full strength, it's going to make a difference. Or anytime you go into a weekend of the season and are not at full strength, it makes a difference. But certainly in Clearwater, with a tournament with a slate like we've already talked about, you want to be firing on all cylinders. It's definitely a difference maker. Um, but, but again, it's a difference maker. It's a blow. It's a blow that I think will hurt for sure. But I also think if the pitching is firing on all cylinders, if that pitching depth is at its best for the Cajuns this week, I think it does soften a blow like that because I think that's what's going to come in the most handy for the Cajuns in Clearwater. And if that pitching is firing on all cylinders, it definitely softens a blow and makes that impact a little less felt. You know, talking about Cajuns pitching in the Louisiana Classics this past weekend, granted it was against Lafayette College and Stephen F. Austin, but in those four games, Justin, they only allowed one run. And yeah. and Sam Landry had a no-hitter on opening night, striking out 13 batters. Kendra Lamb looked really good as well. Uh, Tyler Ube even came in and closed out a game. Just kind of talk about the pitching staff like you talked about Justin show leading that crew and you know we, we talked about earlier a couple weeks ago about having three aces in, in your rotation and just how rare that is how much of an advantage does that put the Cajuns at in a tournament like this oh it's a huge thing you know the old adage, adage is that pitching and defense wins ball games everybody loves the hard hit and the long home runs but pitching and defense wins ball games and I think even in today's softball game as much as it's catered to the hitter good pitching does make a huge difference even still and for the Cajuns, like you say, I mean, three aces, and when Carly Heath is, is your fourth, I mean, it, for what she can do in the circle, what she's capable of at least, that, that's a really solid staff. And, yes, we've seen the game of softball move more towards the pitching staff versus the old school, you know, workhorse with those 230 innings and the rest make it up. But even then, you don't see necessarily a lot of staffs nowadays that are as deep as the Cajuns are right now. And I think it's a huge strength in a tournament like this. You don't have to worry about – having one pitcher who goes out there against, you know, for instance, UCLA on Sunday, well then, you know, how, how good are they going to be for you if you need to throw them against Florida State that night? You know, you, again, with those double headers against two top-level opponents in the same day, 
having that depth makes a huge difference because you can throw one pitcher in the morning, one pitcher in the evening, and still have another one of those three aces and Carly Heath. You, you can do so much with that pitching depth. It's a huge difference maker, especially with a slate like the Cajuns. I think it plays right into that kind of a tough gauntlet to run. Flipping over to LSU now, they started 5-0 and on the weekend with the LSU Invitational, beating New Mexico twice, Oregon State twice, and then getting a close win with Nichols. You know, what were your thoughts on the weekend for Beth Tarina, and what stands out to you about that group thus far? I thought it was an important thing to start like they did. I mean, Oregon State, you know, it was a team that was in the Women's College World Series last year. Um, you know, a team, yeah, sure, it comes in with a couple of question marks, but still, a World Series team. And then you had New Mexico's kind of an upstart team. You saw that from them beating Oregon State. So it was one of those fields that, you know, had some trap games built into it, but LSU did really well. I, you know, Taylor Pleasance was a, a rock at the plate, and I think that's important for LSU this year too to really see Pleasance get back to being as good as she can be. When she's as good as she can be, she she's an All American and a player SEC Player of the Year contender. Um, you know, I, I like the pitching for LSU as well. I thought they they hung in there well. They did well against those opponents. It's always tough to play the same teams twice on opening weekend because there's, there's so many opportunities for that trap game, like you say. Um, and LSU didn't fall. And it was, a time, it was a weekend when a lot of the top teams in the country fell, and LSU didn't. And I think, I mean, even the small thing, though, it seems, I think that's important, too, because they started off on a foot that, you know, a lot of teams above them in the rankings didn't. What type of advantage do you think LSU has of having their first, you know, 10, 11 games at home with, with back-to-back weekend tournaments hosted by them? I think it's important, but I also think it, it, it can set you up sometimes for a little unexpected after that. It's important, especially if you can get off on the right foot, like like you say, like they did with Oregon State. You know, they've got Utah among the others coming in this week. So you've got some teams coming in that are not, that are not pushovers. You're not talking about a bunch of smaller market teams. They've got some competition. So you kind of can get, you can get off in front of the right foot. You can get off on the right foot in front of, we, we know what the LSU fan base is. And so that is important. And it's, and it's good when you especially get off to a winning start to be able to do so um, in, in front of those fans because those fans will back you up when you're winning. They'll, they'll, they'll back you when you're losing most of the time, but they'll definitely back you when you're winning. And it sets you up well when you do get on the road. Um, the one thing about it is, you know, when you do get on the road, it can feel a little different. It's almost that kind of the adjusting, the settling in period you get when you start the season you kind of almost get the same thing once you hit the road for the first time. So avoiding you know, extra jitters when they do hit the road finally is important. But starting at home is never a bad thing. You know, A couple of weeks at home, sleeping in your own bed, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, it, it's never a bad thing. Justin McLeod of Extra Inning Softball joining us here on the Game Hotline. Justin, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy Florida this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Always fun. And there he goes, Justin McLeod of Extra Inning Softball. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns begin their road in the Taxac Clearwater Invitational tomorrow at noon playing Indiana and then Friday playing Michigan before the gauntlet really opens with Oklahoma State, Arkansas, UCLA, and Florida State in that order. We'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Delta Media Corp is looking for self-motivated and hardworking individuals to join their team. 
Delta Media is currently hiring a human resources manager to manage the HR department, hire, interview, administer pay, benefits, and more. And in addition, we are also looking to add an account executive. Training is available, and if you are interested, send your resume to jcochran at deltamediacorp.com. Delta Media Corp is an equal opportunity employer. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 552, let's get into the Pelicans and Lakers game, James, from our own perspectives. Look, I hate the Lakers. I hate LeBron James even more. I love the Pelicans. So go to L.A. and win. Finish the first half of the season or the first 60% of the season because the All-Star break isn't the true halfway point of the season anymore. Finish it on the right foot. I've always found that funny. It's like the the season's supposed to be... The midway point, like the all-star break. Correct. But no, you don't have it till there's 25 games left. Finish, We've already played 57. Finish by winning five of your last six and go into a week off because you don't play again till next Thursday. So it's eight days. And now, you know, Zion Williamson's out. So do you have anybody partaking in all-star festivities? I don't think so. So it's a vacation. Take it off. Rest, relax. If you're nicked up with some injuries, take care of that. And be fired up and ready to roll next Thursday when the season resumes. But looking at tonight's game, CJ McCollum listed as questionable. Larry Nance listed as questionable as well. Obviously, Zion and Dyson still out. LeBron doesn't appear that he is going to go. It's Which, listed as LeBron is still questionable with that left ankle injury. Okay. Um, so it doesn't seem like because it's like doesn't well, appear good. It doesn't appear good. And it's like even though you're really behind in the West, in the West, you're not that far behind. So I feel like are you really going to risk that, Correct. especially when this is the last game before the All-Star break? If I'm the Lakers, I'd probably just rest him. But even factoring that in, the Lakers are a five point favorite with an over under of two. 35. Taking the under. I was going to say, that kind of feels... The Lakers seem to hit the over, and they go to overtime a lot. I don't know if you've yeah. noticed a lot of their re- they final do, results. They do go to overtime a lot. Um, I... At the end... At the end of the day, I, I really just want the Pelicans to win. I want a big night from Brandon Ingram. I want a big night from Jonas Valanciunas. And then I would like to see Trey, Herb, Jose, one of them, to have a good night as well. If you can have three players have a strong night and then everybody else look okay, chances are you're probably going to win the basketball game. Um, Especially if LeBron's not going to play. That means they're going to depend on Anthony Davis to be the majority scorer, and Pelicans fans know how well that works. Um, not not very. James, if you had to pick an X factor in this matchup, either team, just any player that's going to be on the floor, who is it? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I stumped you. Yeah, 
Uh, I mean, you would look towards Anthony Davis since he's more like more likely not going to have to take the heavy lifting. You no longer have Russell Westbrook or Patrick Beverly on the roster. You have Rui. I've been really, I've really been intrigued by Rui Hashimura and how he's played since he's been on the Lakers, which has been relatively well. I haven't seen anything that to where he's been like a huge disappointment or really held the Lakers back. So I do like what Rui can do in this game. I wonder about the pressure in the paint that the Lakers will impose because watching players like Jonas, they tend to have a slow step and they tend to give up a lot of points in the paint, a lot more than I would like. And with the Lakers not being a excellent shooting team from behind the arc, I feel like that's something that you got to watch out for. You know who mine is? D'Angelo Russell. That is fair. That's right. D'Lo did go back to the Lakers. He did go back to the Lakers. And let me tell you why he is my X Factor. He's played against the Pelicans 18 times in his career. Mm-hmm. He averages 19.3 points a game against the Pels. 6.1 assists and four boards. He's always played well against the Pelicans, and I think that continues tonight. Now, I think the Pelicans win the game, but I think D'Angelo Russell could have a pretty good night for LA. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guests, Will Guillory talking Pels, Zach Nagy talking LSU, and Justin McLeod talking college softball. For the producer extraordinaire, James Mesh. For the intern, Mr. Moses Campos. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we'll be back tomorrow. Same time, four to six, same station right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. CBS Sports Radio is up next.